Well, it's good to have everybody here. Another day in church. Um, I got 35 points, so we're going to be here for a while. So buckle up, buttercup. We're going to have a good time. Let's go. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. But we are just kidding. Uh, we're going to jump into a good conversation here today. And, you know, uh, uh, as a church, we've been in some, some uh, good conversations over the past couple weeks. Uh, we started off in the realm of, uh, we started off in the realm of, you know, uh, a conversation around a biblical worldview and, and having a good conversation around what it means to have a biblical worldview, especially in a society that has completely uh, uh, been infiltrated by secular humanistic ideology and every institution really across the power structures of our country. Those, that ideology is at work. And, and by and large, if you're a millennial, unless you have a clear biblical worldview, you are compromised by a secular uh, uh, world, a secular humanistic idea. The, the human ideas is what's resolving the world's issues and not a spiritual issue that is on the life of individual uh, individuals. And, and, and with that, there's complexity to that. And so we live in a world here today where if we don't have a clear biblical worldview where we're established in the word and we know what the word of God says and we understand what the principles and the truth of God's word is, we can completely believe in a secular idea thinking that we are following Jesus when in actuality we're just following human reasoning human understanding and so God is spirit we receive through the spirit and man it's, there's power when we get into God's word and we're connected to the vine and he is downloading us on, uh, downloading on us everything that we need for our life and to live a life that is honoring towards him so we started off on that conversation and uh, it was great we moved into maybe like an apologetics type conversation where it's given a good reason for our faith having a good conversation to say you know what where we are at we want to be able to give a good reason for our faith as first peter says give uh be ready to share the hope that you have in jesus christ be ready to share that with individuals right you don't have to have all the answers to the world's issues but what you do have is test a testimony that God has done for you. And when you can share that hope that you have in Jesus Christ and what he has done inside of your life, and maybe what he has downloaded you in your prayer time that morning or in your reading time that morning, what he's downloaded on you, that is enough. The Holy Spirit can do when you're walking in obedience. The Holy Spirit can do in, in the supernatural what you've been trying to do in the physical for a really, really long time. That's moving away from your man-made ideas into the hands of God to say, I'm being submissive and obedient towards God to respond to the Spirit's leading in my life, to do what he's asking me to do, and he has the rest. He's got it. For instance, I'll share this, and I did not share it in the first service, and I don't know if I'll share it in the next service. This past week, I emailed an individual that is not in this country. He's in another country. I've never met him in my life before. He's an individual that is extremely wealthy. He's in the finance world. He is in the billionaire class, but God placed him on my heart. And I said, I'm going to email him. I have access. I emailed him. And uh, he responded back, wow, that you would email me out of the blue like this and speak towards something directly in which I am walking through. Let's stay in contact. And he gave me his phone number. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to use this phone number. It's from London. I have no clue. Uh, so, uh, Okay. But what the point being is that God is going to use us. He places people on our hearts. And when we operate in obedience, it's not about what we do. It's in response to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. And when we live submissive to what God's leading is in our life, the impact is, you know, limitless. And so when we, we live in this world and say, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to live? You know, who do you want us to encourage? It gets us out of our myopic world, our thing, our world, our ideas into his world that is building his kingdom. 
So let's stay in contact with that. So back to what I was saying, which I got to pick up on where I was at because I don't know where I was at. So, um, so within that realm, uh, having a good reason for our faith, 1 Peter 3. The second part of that in Colossians 3 talks about give, be ready to give uh, 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 encouragement to somebody specific to who they are this seasons with all graceful to help them and benefit them. And so this is the conversations we're having is the world in which we live in is trying to ask questions to undermine. It's secular in nature. It's humanistic in ideas. We can figure these things out. So how can you believe in an almighty God, right? That world. And so they'll ask a thousand different questions like a four-year-old, why, 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 why? We just got to be able to rest secure to say, here is our reason for our faith. Here is our ideas for faith, right? The first week when we talked about in this conversation is when they talk about the word. How can you believe in this historical document? It's very easy. Come back and say, what is the most accurate historical document on the face of the earth? I just heard this this past week. Whenever archaeologists, secular archaeologists, go to research archaeology, the first book they go to is the Bible because they know it is the most accurate uh, document recorded. So if there's secularists out there that understand the validity of the word, then we can rest assured what is in there is true, right? The second week we talked about last week that God, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. We didn't say that, but that was God's plan. But man's ideas are, what will we say? Well, how can there only be one way to God? Because he said it. And if he sits up on top of the trail, which we just, Heather and I just uh, went to Utah, we went on the Overlook Trail that's got three cascading lakes on it. If you ever go to Utah, you got to go to Brighton because it is legit. You go all the way up to the top, it's like a six-mile hike. You may lose your life in the process, but you get up there. <laughs> there is one way to the top. There's not many ways. There's one way. You walk this one way. We got off course a little bit, and that was not fun because we had to walk a little more, but there's one way to get up there. If God is up on the top looking down, and he knows the route up to the summit, and he says there's one way to the summit, who are we to say, no, there's many ways? He's the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to me except through Jesus. He says it's Jesus. We're going to rest secure in that. And this week, we're going to jump into the questions around the human experience. This idea, the human experience. If you want to take notes across the top of your paper, write this. People are messed up. People are messed up, and so are you, right? <laughs> and I. We're all messed up. We all got a problem. We all got an issue. And so if you're not taking notes, make sure you pull out your phones, take notes inside of here. You remember 80% more of what you uh, take notes on. Uh, I don't think you're that good. Um, so make sure you're taking notes inside of here. We're Pearl Street Church. We're always learning. We're always growing. We always are ready to hear what God wants to speak. We're always writing that down. Maybe there's something that you'll hear inside of here that the Holy Spirit will speak. That's not, I'm not even speaking, but because your willingness to submit and learn inside of this environment, to take notes inside of here, especially if you're a leader inside of Pearl Street Church. If you ain't, you're not taking notes right now, Get out your phones right now, take notes, get out an iPad, take notes. If you are on team inside of here, pull out your phone, pull out something, start taking notes inside of here, okay? This is the season where I as pastors got to start getting that little rod out there and start tapping some people on the backside and be like, you think you're so good? No, buddy, you ain't that good. Get, start taking notes. So write that across the top of your paper. We're all jacked up. That's the reality of what it is. If you just want to write it that way, that's not how I wrote it earlier. We're all jacked up, okay? We got issues. How many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you've seen suffering? You've walked around, you've seen in life, you've, gone down, you've been down to downtown San Antonio, you've been out with bags of blessing that goes on inside of the church. You didn't just sign up to go be a part of it. You actually showed up to go do it because that happens a lot inside of the church. I'm being, I'm being shepherd here today. 
You signed up, but you didn't show up, right? How many times has that happened? Uh, but you signed up to go and you saw the suffering inside of our city, individuals that are on the street. Mental health is a big issue for individuals that are on the streets. Suffering is all around us. Why does bad things happen to good people? Been there before. 2006, why did, why did good people get displaced out of their homes when the financial crisis happened? Why is this even allowed to happen? You know, Heather, uh, or not Heather and I, but at the age of uh, like 21 in 2004, I went to um, India and we went on this missions trip. It was a humanitarian missions trip and we went into, flew into Calcutta. There's a like six-year-old kid, 10 o'clock at night, tapping on my shirt, my arm, just saying, sir, you just don't care, sir? You just don't care? She was speaking English. I don't know how she knew English, but she's just on the streets, no adults around, six years old, just tapping my arm at 10 o'clock at night, sir, you just don't care. So you just don't care, begging for money. And what they say is you cannot give money out because it's basically like uh, a ring. There's, they have people that run the children. The children go out and they beg for money and then all the money comes back towards these individuals. So they say don't give any money because people will just flock and it'll be crazy. So we get there late at night. We get on a train. We go over from Calcutta all the way over to Ranchi. We come into the mor- that morning at 6 a.m. There's a man crawling up on nubs. He's been maimed. Been, his limbs have been cut off to make a situation look more desperate. In the Hindu caste system inside of India, you are born into a caste system. Either you're at the top of the upper top, the lower top, whatever, lower third, and then or the lower force, and then you're at the bottom. And whatever you're born into, that is what you will exist in for the rest of your entire life. You can never move up. You can never move down. You exist either up or down. So this individual obviously was in the, the bottom of the caste system, and the way it operates is, is in order to get more money, his parents had literally dismembered his limbs. They cut them off for their situation to look more desperate. And here he is begging now, now that he's an older man. I mean, he probably was in his, he was probably in his 20s, but he looked like he was 50, in, in his 50s or 60s just because the life he lived was crawling around on the ground. Okay, I've seen immense suffering. 12-year-old girl holding a baby, relieving herself just out in the middle of the public. Calcutta, 20 to 40 million people live in cardboard homes. It's horrible. If you have not been outside of this context, if you've not been outside of San Antonio, there is a really big, bad world out there. The American context, tell you today, there's a lot of young people that do not understand the complexities of the world. They're simply living on an ideology that is humanistic, that does not understand the complexities. And they're idealists. Oh, it was just this. Step into some other societies and you'll come to some real clear understanding on what the truth is. America is the greatest nation upon the face of the earth. The ideals in which we are founded upon are the greatest. This is not about us tearing down the institution and creating something different because humans are not that good. Our founders came and said, we looked at all of societies throughout the world and we want to create this based on the Judeo-Christian value system. That's what we want to do, that every person has uh, equal rights. Every person is created in the image of their, their heavenly father. Every person has value. Now, we got issues with that. Don't get me wrong. But I'm a person that stands back and says, we don't want to tear the institution down. We want to build the institu- institution because we are God's creation and we know God's word and we can build that. In that system, though, it's crazy. Unbelievable uh, suffering that, is, that goes on in that world. And you, you can see things like that and wonder, why in the world is there so much suffering in the world? 
individuals will come and ask the question, why is there so much suffering in the world? How can there be a loving God? And this may be a question that you have got or maybe even something you've contemplated yourself. And I'll tell you, if you've contemplated it, you're in good company because the, uh, the Bible characters we read about in the Old Testament contemplated it also. How could there be so much suffering? Habakkuk uh, chapter one, the, right off the bat, Habakkuk is questioning that. God, how is there so much injustice? How is there so much in suffering? How much longer will I cry out to you and you not respond? These questions are being asked for biblical characters. But the beauty is not in the asking. The beauty is in the faith that we have towards the creator. In this place, you know, we, we, there is suffering in this world. And the, the beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ and being a, uh, believing in a higher power is we may not understand all the complexities, but we will choose to go after God to understand these complexities. Our God does not move away from these things. He presses in on these things. And when we're asking in the right place, we can come to the right answers. These, answers, these questions that will be out there on like, a loving God, why would he allow so much suffering? A loving God, why would he allow this to happen? You know, I've told this story before, but the, this moment in time, Billy Graham and there was another individual, they were doing incredible works in uh, uh, evangelism um, together at the same time, in the same season of life. I think it was back in the 70s. They were out, they were ministering, they were with an organization, they were preaching, thousands of people were getting saved. The, the friend of Billy Graham saw a Times Magazine cover that showed the infamous picture of a starving baby in Africa. They both saw the same information, but they responded very differently to it. Billy Graham pressed into God. The other individual walked away from God. And that other individual lived a depraved life away from God. But you see Billy Graham that walked with God and did incredible things. How we respond to these things matters. How we see suffering and then what we do matters. So number one, who we choose will determine what we do. The way God has designed this, that yes, there is suffering inside of this world, but we got to come back and answer the question, how did suffering get here? What we find is that God placed humanity, he, he created and then he created man. And his initial uh, uh, order for us right off the bat was, I'm going to create man in my image, and I'm going to place them down on earth. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. The things that you can see on the tail end of here is Jesus created us in the image, in his image. He put us here, I'm going to create man in my image and place him here on earth. And then he calls us to do what? He says, be fruitful and multiply. We love that part of it. We have a lot of fun doing that. The second part of it, fill the earth and govern it. Rule over it. The second, or the third part of this, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So God creates perfection, and then says, I'm going to put me in humans for them to come, be fruitful, and multiply it. I want them to rule over it, and I want them to reign over it. I put them here in perfection. Here they are in this beauty. Now, we talked about it on this past Talk It Out Tuesday. If you're not on Talk It Out Tuesday, you got to get on Talk It Out Tuesday on Tuesday, uh, 630. Love for you guys to be on there. It's be good. 
But we always focus on the tree of knowledge and good and evil that brought sin into the world, but we always forget about the tree of life that was also present. That God said, I've created this garden for you to rule and reign inside of it. You got the tree of life and you got the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You can eat of anything, but you just can't eat of this one tree, the, knowledge of, the tree of knowledge and good and evil. This tree of life, though, that he created, we could eat from it. You and I could eat from this tree. To this day, we can eat from this tree. We'll talk about that later. But they could eat from any tree, any fruit, anything. They could just go, and this tree had life and substance and nourishment and fulfillment, all of it, in this one tree. But what does man do? We chose to go against God, and (laughs) what happens is death enters into the world. So we can sit here and look at the suffering inside of the world, but who who brought suffering into the world? We did. We were the ones that chose, hey, we got perfection. We're called to rule and reign. We're created in the image of God. And now we are choosing, God, we don't want to do it your way. We want to do it our way. What is the world in which we live in here? Secular humanism is man's ideas can solve world's issues. We're going to push away from religious dogma, and we're going to create human ideas to go about things our own way. It's the same issue. Right? We can make things so complicated sometimes. But the reality is it comes back to the simplicity. What are we choosing? Man chose to bring this in. So you can find inside of the Old Testament the ruling and reigning piece of it. If you're in a kingdom, the king has the power to rule and reign over. Whatever the king says happens inside of that kingdom. Caesar, whatever Caesar says, let it be. As Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God's. Where we're citizens of the kingdom, we're called... To do this, everybody pays taxes, but not everybody's tithing, that's for sure. Because if you ain't paying taxes, they're going to lock you up. But if you ain't tithing, uh, you're robbing God, and you're just not walking in blessing. Okay, cool. It's life. So we chose death. They would rule and reign over it. And what happens is, in the Old Testament, you find is these kings would create images in the likeness of themselves, and they would place them in societies, would worship them. So human beings placed in authority over kingdoms, would create images of themselves that now the kingdom would honor them. But what do we know about God? He says, there shall be no other gods before me. Create no other idols. Worship no other idols. Now, the Hebrew faith did something far different. All the other world's, you know, maybe religions would create these images. But what the Hebrew faith knew is, our God, there is nothing in this world that we can create that is worthy of the image of God, worthy of that. Why? Because you and I were already created in the image of God. We are created in his image here to reflect his glory now. That's what we're called to do. So we choose to bring sin into this world. We brought death and destruction into this world. And what we choose will determine what we do. Do we choose God? Because if we choose God, we're going to do something far different. Even to this day, if we choose God here on this earth, we're going to live a life completely different. Because we're going to honor him with our lives, not the secular world's ideas of how we should be living it. Right? We're going to walk in purity. So they'll never get close to a place where we got to abort a baby. Amen, somebody. Come on. We're going to walk in purity, sexual purity. That baby's going to come out. Be fruitful and multiply is going to happen in the institution of marriage. That's how God has designed it. Because we don't want to bring death into the world. We want to choose God's plan, God's way that brings life. 
We're going to eat from the tree of life, okay? So the responsibility falls on our shoulders. When somebody comes and asks the question, why does a loving God allow suffering? The first thing we need to say is, it's not a loving God. We brought it into the world. And we are choosing it. Sometimes we are choosing death continually out of the order of God. Our country today is choosing a lot of death over the order of God. That's for sure. So the first thing right off the bat is, we chose this. It is our fault. God has called us to rule and reign here on this earth, but we chose to go about things our own way. And we now create idols here on this earth to this day. We continually create idols that fill the position of God as uh, uh, our ultimate affection. We still to this day are choosing death to this day. We will put money we will put fame, we will choose sex, we will choose power over God. Honoring him with our lives. It's our fault. Who we choose will determine what we do. The second part of here is suffering is a human problem. We brought it into existence. This is a human problem. The Bible character struggled with this also. One of the, the 19th century philosophers, Nietzsche, he said this, he's an individual that his dad was a pastor and his uh, grandfather was uh, in ministry and his great-grandfather was in ministry. But he himself walked away and he was just a philosopher. He was an individual, just a philosopher. One of the things he said in the 19th century is, and he coined the phrase, God is dead. If you know, have you ever heard that God is dead? Nietzsche coined that phrase, God is dead. He walked away in the enlightenment period, the human ideas that entered into our world um, this individual made the statement, God is dead. But he said in the 19th century, if God is truly dead, then the 20th century is going to be met with unimaginable bloodshed. What we're saying is the philosophical world that is introduced in the Enlightenment period of, uh, of the world in the 1600s, if truly the philosophical world, the blade of philosophy, has pierced the soul of belief to humanity, then God, humanity absent of a creator is going to create irreparable harm in the 20th century. Do you know how many people died in the 20th century? Over 100 million people have died in the 20th century through blood, through warfare and bloodshed. Dead. Because you have human, humans dishonoring God, creating their own kingdom according to their own ideas. And with that, man is fighting against man rather than we are all creations of God and we're trying to honor him. Hundreds of millions of people have died in the 20th century through war and bloodshed. Nietzsche saw it in the 19th century. If man is separated from God and belief is no longer existent, man, how much bloodshed are we going to see in the 20th century? He prophesied it literally before it ever came into existence. He took the first step into madness. The last 13 years of his life, he laid in bed, literally would be mute for four days, and all of a sudden he would lean up in bed and start quoting scripture because he was raised inside of the church. He, was, he went insane. The guy went insane. This is the problem with humanity. It's a tough deal in which we are dealing with, but if humans are going to try to fix the world's issues, we're going to find ourselves where there is a tremendous amount of suffering. Do we believe in a higher power? Do we believe that God is working his plan here on earth? Do we believe that God has called us to be priests here on this earth to fix the world's problems through honoring God with our lives. 
following, you know, leading people into the righteousness of God, not into the obedience of man. Do we truly believe that as God's, God's uh, servants here on this earth? You know, I think when we answer this question, the questions that are out there that ask, how can a loving God make this happen? What we have to do, and this is something you could throw, you know, put back with people that are asking these questions. You, how do you, can you serve God? How can you go to church? How can you believe in X, Y, and Z? You know, I think we, the first thing we would throw back at them and just say, hey, you are way overestimating your ability. You're way overestimating your ability, uh, your, your ability and underestimating God's ability. If we can sit here today, and if you're a parent inside of here, you may understand this concept. We take our children, our, our children in which we love, we take them to a doctor. And, and we say, okay, doctor, you're going to give them a shot. And that kid, whatever it may be, I mean, especially when they're babies, this is hard. This is crazy hard because you're like, you're going to stab, you're putting that needle in my child? It's hard. But you know, okay, cool. You're, they're getting a vaccine. They're doing something that's going to prepare them for success later. But in this moment, there's pain. There's a lot of pain that they are going through. And imagine like my four-year-old, it's like, Dad, well, why did you take me in there? And, and, and you caused me this harm. And I was sitting in this cold room and they jabbed this needle into my arm. She's not going to understand that I'm like, hey, you have to do this because it's going to keep you protected from polio. It's going to keep you protected from smallpox. I mean, it's going to protect you, but you, you had to do this. I, I guess I led you into a place that caused you pain, but in this pain, it's setting you up for success. And she'd be like, and, and dad, I saw you paying for it. You paid to have harms brought to me? What in the world? So we overestimate our ability as mere mortals here on this earth to understand the complexities of the world and God's plan and God's idea and all this that's going on. We, we overestimate our ability. When sometimes we are subjected to pain and the reality of pain that has a far greater purpose than we can even understand, we can even fathom, right? Yeah. We can start to appreciate what Isaiah says in, in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. It says, my thoughts are nothing uh, like your thoughts, he says, uh, the Lord, uh, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We can start to rest assured, okay, you see bigger, you see greater, I'm just a mere mortal. Who am I to question you? Imagine Jesus says, or imagine God says this to you in Job 38 as he said to Job, where were you whenever I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched up uh, the surveying line? Really? I mean, God had to throw it back at Job to say, who are you? Were you there when I created all of this, when I stretched the lines out? Were you there? You weren't. Okay. You're a mere mortal. The Bible says, we, James 4, we are a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. We are a blip on the history radar. Who knows? This could be the, this could be the end right here. Who knows? We could be the last generation before Jesus comes back. Who knows? What does Jesus say? Be found in the field, though. When I come back, there's going to be two people working in the field. One's going to be gone, one's not. We're going to be sitting at our office like, yeah, we serve in the kingdom. Amen. Deuces, we out. Okay. And hopefully our whole office goes with us because we're living a life in Christ in Jesus' name, right? Hopefully it's like everybody's like, hey, I did a good job around here. All right, go, go. One jewel, two jewel, three jewel, four jewel. Come on, my crown's going to look good. Amen. But can we trust? 
that God is doing something greater. A great pastor in New York, Tim Keller, would say this. If you have a God great and transcendent enough to be mad at because he hasn't stopped evil and suffering in the world, then you have, at that very same moment, a God great and transcendent enough to have good reason for allowing it to continue that you can't know. In the very thought that you say, how could God allow this? At the very same time, you have a God that's great enough that is doing something that you can't know. It's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. God is doing, he's bigger, he's greater, he understands more. The moment that somebody asks the question, hey, who are we mere mortals to understand what God is doing? Pain may be a part of the process, but that pain is leading us towards something. And God, we brought it into the world, we brought sin into the world. God is doing something through it, he sees bigger. And we, by simply having the thought, have the ability to believe that there is a God that is doing something far greater. Now, here's the second part of that. Who am I to question how God is operating this? If I'm existent here today because of a process, how can I sit in the same moment and wish for a different world that did not, does not have suffering? If I sit in this moment, why does this world have suffering? I wish a world didn't have suffering that there is no pain, there is no struggle. It's a completely different world that does not have that. I myself may be wishing myself out of existence. Here's the deal. My dad met my mom at Glory Bound Baptist Church like 50 years ago or something like that. My great-grandfather was saved out of the oil field. He started serving the Lord, built a church. My grandfather served the Lord, was in ministry. They traveled around as a family, had three, two daughters and one son. That was my dad. They traveled around and did ministry. They would minister. They would, you know, do the whole bit. They showed up at Glory Bound Baptist Church right off of 281 going south, just outside of 410, inside of 1604. You can still see it to this day, Glory Bound Baptist Church. My grandfather rolls in there, ministers. My dad is with him. My mom's like, my mom's a go-getter. If you know my mom, what she wants, she gets. She goes after it, Okay. So she went after my dad, got his digits, you know, all of it. What's the terminology that y'all use nowadays, young people? Got the, you got the DM, you got the snap. Snap, I don't know what that was. I don't know. <laughs> Wu-Tang just gave herself away up here. Got the digits. They connected. What am I saying? The rest is history. The rest is history. Why would I question a world that has suffering and pain inside of it, wishing for a world that I would not be existent in. God has allowed something and I'm a byproduct of that. I am sitting as a mere mortal, questioning the fact, wishing something that I would not be a present in. If it didn't happen this way, I would not even be here. Pearl Street Church would not even be existent. So simply asking the question wishes us out of the equation. We're asking the question because of the grace of God. Does that make sense? We're, reason, we're asking questions that takes us out of the equation. And these are things you throw back at them. God is greater. He's bigger than our understanding. And by simply us asking the question, we reason ourselves out of existence. Just the mere question of it. Yeah. Trusting God is bigger. He's doing far more. He's doing a greater thing then maybe we can even comprehend. 
What we know is that we were, it is because of grace that we have this ability here on this earth. As Psalms 8, 4 says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Who are we? That there's a God of all creation that cares for us. It's wrapped up in one word, grace. God loves us. It is unmerited. You know, I heard this statement that um, a mom was all frantic and all, it was like overwhelmed and she's in her house and she lost her keys and she's getting frustrated. I'm, I'm, you know, nobody struggles with this, right? Life was just catching up to you. Frustration. She said, I'm losing my mind. And her six-year-old comes over and says, Mom, you can lose your mind, but please don't lose your heart because that's where I am. <laughs> and this is where we are with God. We're in God's heart. He loves us so much that you don't have to work for it, that he's done something on our behalf. The strife, and he met us in this. He who was the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He who was without sin became sin for our righteousness. The only God. How loving is that as a parent? If you know how, you know, if, if you're a parent that says, you know what, I know the world is horrible, it's a horrible place, but I'm going to bring a child into this horrible place. How evil are you? How evil? You know how jacked up this place is. Why would you submit another child to that? Why would you submit your child to that? The beautiful thing about a loving parent is I understand the complexity, but I'll never leave my kids. Walk with them through it, and that's exactly what our Heavenly Father has done for us. Exactly. I'm not going to leave humanity in the brokenness. I'm going to step down. I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to, I'm going to accept the responsibility. I'm going to take this upon my shoulders. Guys, you jacked it up. God set a tree of life in the Garden of Evil, or Garden of Eden, not evil, Garden of Eden. And you guys chose a tree that brought death into the world. But God said, I'm going to send myself to deal with the human issue. There is suffering, there is pain, but guess what? I am coming to be here with you and I'm gonna walk you through it. That is a loving God. That is not an evil God. That is a loving God. And by virtue of him saying, you know what? I'm not gonna be a God that just sets back and just removes free will. I want humanity to see my good love, my great love for them. I want them to see it, how good I am and willingly choose to walk in pursuit of me. How loving is that? If I could force you into it, you're going to serve in Pearl Street Church. You've been coming to this church for the past, past four years, and you never served a day inside of here. What's wrong with you? I'm looking at her straight in the eyes, too. She's like, <laughs> don't you see how good Pearl Street Church is? Don't you want to be a part of the team that's making a difference inside of our city? Why wouldn't you serve here? You're going to start serving. Let's go. If not, we're going to come to your house, and we're going to take you, we're going to drag you in here so you can start serving. <laughs> is that loving? No. But how loving is God to say, look how great I am. And if you see how great I am and how much I love you, then you'll draw unto me. That's a loving God. It's a loving God. That's free will. That's free will. Now, hopefully a few people start serving off of that. Amen. That's my hope. That was me just being a little forceful with it. Some of you guys have been on the sideline for way too long wondering why God isn't moving in your life because you aren't moving in, in God's church. We're called to build the kingdom. We're called to build the kingdom. We're here to build the kingdom. Not our kingdom. We're here to build the kingdom. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously. God adds unto us. 
Seek first the kingdom, live righteously, God adds unto us. We're trying to add unto ourselves and then come back to righteousness and start building this kingdom. It's out of order. How loving is our God gives us free will to choose it. And not only that, he stepped out of heaven to walk with us in it. That he would grow into a grave and he'd be raised to life on the third day. And on the third day, what does he conquer? Death, hell, and the grave. So Jesus himself becomes the new tree of life that you and I can serve today. So the question comes down to, who are we serving today? What are we choosing today? Right? There's suffering in the world. You can't get away from that. There is suffering. But Jesus stepped into the equation in his great love for us, met us right where we are at. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And now we get to choose life. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I will remain in them, and they will bear much fruit. He is the true vine. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. Here's the tree of life. You get to choose it. Death entered into the world, and Jesus set up the new tree of life. Are we going to choose it? Are we going to choose life in Jesus Christ? Or are we going to try to live in humanistic ideas? thinking that we can do it ourselves, away from God. We have to answer that questions, or that question as a people. Everybody wants to ask, oh, why? Why X, Y, and Z? Now we can come with, hey, who are we to ask the question? By simply asking the question, we reason God out of it. But the cool thing is about Jesus is here on this earth, there will be pain and suffering. You can't get away from it. You can walk away from the wages of sin that leads towards death. You can live righteously and have God's blessing on your life. You can remove yourself from all the pain, but you can't, you can't, you can remove yourself from some of the pain, but you cannot remove yourself from all the pain. The beautiful thing about Jesus is in Revelations, it tells us that there's one day where he's going to wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain. And what do we have? We have a God that is preparing a place that is exactly what we desire here on this earth. It's through Jesus Christ. That's it. We get to choose it now. We get to choose life in Jesus Christ. We get to choose ourselves, choose attaching ourselves to the vine and staying in him so that we can receive life. Amen? Amen. Amen. We got some, we got some solutions now to the questions that are going to be asked to us. Coming to a place to say, God, we just submit ourselves to your plan. Why is there suffering? Maybe it's a part of this process. Maybe there's a temporary pain. And because there's pain, we push towards you. Uh, we just know that, man, when we go through struggles, man, we push towards you. Rather than pushing to ourselves, we push towards you. God, we want to know you more. We want to understand you more. So if you're here today, maybe you've never accepted Jesus. you never come to this place to accept this eternal life, the way towards life. Today is a time to come to the end of yourself and say, you know what? I'm choosing Jesus today. I'm choosing life. I'm going to go back to that garden and say, I don't want the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want the tree of life, Jesus Christ. And I want all of that. I want him to be the substance. I want him to be the source of my life. I want to be a branch that produces fruit, not my own will, but in his. I want to be a life submitted to his will, not my will. Right? I want to, I want to serve him and honor him and glorify him with my life. I don't want this to be... 
oh, God, look at these good works and glorify me. I want, to, I want the man to see me and look at the good works and glorify my heavenly father. That's what I want to do. That's the life I want to live. He's a seed of faith, a new tree that was planted. He's given us life and life abundantly. And today, maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't know this tree of life. I feel like a majority of my life is full of pain and struggle and this suffering conversation, I feel like a majority of my life has been suffering, come from poverty, struggled through life. Seems like I always got to step on others to get ahead inside of life. Well, maybe you just need to come to a place you submit your life to Jesus Christ and change the dynamics that he can start dealing with some of these issues, the collateral things of your life. And maybe just submitting yourself to the process of who he is and saying, you know what? I want to give up my life for your sake. I'm going to stop trying to build my kingdom and I just want to submit myself to yours and God just use me coming to a place to deal with the human issue of sin saying I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus could be the change for you if you're here today and you never said yes to Jesus this moment could change everything for you you come to the end of yourself and you choose life the tree of life Jesus Christ he exposed the corruption inside of the world look this is how the world has done it before but I offer a new way love your enemies submit yourself to the plan of God how for a new way? Serve me. If you never say yes to Jesus, very simply in here, just bow your heads and we're going to say a prayer together. If you're here and you're saying, man, I'm coming to the end of myself and I've got questions, but I don't need to know all the answers today. I just, I just know that my heart needs something. My life needs something. If it's Jesus, I'll tell you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, the, the first thing, the human issue is coming to the end of yourself and choosing not the human idea, but God's idea his son, Jesus. If you're here today and you never said yes to Jesus, just raise your hand across the house. We're, we're going to say a prayer, a simple prayer together. Say, raise your hand. You want to see Jesus? Say yes to Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Let's all just say a simple prayer together. Say, Jesus, we thank you for your life that was given for us. We just admit right now that we're sinners and we need you. We know that you gave your life for us. And today we say, come into our hearts. Transform us. Connect us to you as the vine so that we can bear fruit on this earth. Say we commit our lives to you. We're going to honor you with our decisions. We're going to honor you with our actions as we build your kingdom here on this earth. Come on, we all say this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Amen.